welcome to the Wanderlust Journal podcast, based upon great storytelling. We'll be sharing adventures, recommendations, and tips for the aspiring writer. I'm your host, Sarah Leamy. I am a wanderer since I was a teenager hitching across France. I usually travel alone with dogs and in various vehicles. I'm the author of Van Life, Bring a Chainsaw, and numerous others. And I have a master's degree in writing and publishing, so you are in good hands today. If you'd like to hear more, simply subscribe, stick around, and we'll take you around the world. Hello, today I am recording from Southern Colorado near Pagosa Springs. I am set up near a creek. You might be able to hear it in the background. It is not so much a creek right now as much more of a really flowing river. What with the rains we've had the last few days, um, it's been pretty cold. But before that, the week before that, I was camped out here in my van and in the tent and it was uh, the water bowls, the dog water bowls were frozen in the morning. But anyways, that's that was that's this last week. This is episode 15, no, series one, episode 16, um, with a few changes for you, a few ideas that I want to let you know about. So there's a sister website that goes with this podcast called Wanderlust Journal. I founded that and set it up in November, I believe it was, 2017. And it was because I thought there was a lack of places for us to tell stories for people like you and me who are traveling, whether it's weekend warriors or even long-term, long-distance travelers like myself, but who, are, um, who aren't doing the YouTube, get followers, get lots of people listening to us or getting published or just regular people's stories of what they're doing and where they're going and how exploring different cultures, different countries or different different parts of their own country, how it impacts them. And with that in mind, that's been the focus for the last five years, six years. But we are now, I'm actually handing over the steering of Wanderlust, Wanderlust Journal to someone called Rachel Schinderman. Now, Rachel is also super interested in how um, the impact of a place and spaces around us, how it, how it, um, sometimes we need to flee those spaces, sometimes we need to explore new places. Um, she really wants to continue the work I've done so far, I and others. Um, it's not just been myself, although it is right now. Um, we've had a great team, we've had a great um bunch of different people working with us over the years and helping out and I'd like to say a big thank you to those people and Rachel is going to she's saying that she's going to invite other writers and editors in to be readers and to spread the word she wants to put work up for appropriate awards as she believes that writers should be celebrated she's also interested in working out how to pay writers and hold contests and support the endeavor she has a master's degree from the university of southern california in writing and a teaching certificate in creative writing pedagogy from antioch university and a bachelor's degree from the newhouse school you have School of Communications at Syracuse University. Uh, you can find out more about Rachel at rachelzshinderman.com and I'll put the link in the 
notes below so you can find out who she is and what she's up to. But I'm really excited. It's a big step and I've had to think about it quite a bit, to be honest, um, about handing over the steering of this, of their website, Wanderlust Journal. Um, it's been a baby of mine. It's taken me all over the place. It's taken me to Overland Expo and different rallies, Northwest rallies and... Uh, we put together three different anthologies over the years, and we have put print books together, published. We've had something like, I think it was 170,000 visitors in the first three years with writers from 64 countries sending work in and uh, readers from over 100 different countries. So I think that's pretty phenomenal considering it was just a what they call in the States a passion project. It was something I loved to do. I felt that it was a good place to allow more people to share their stories of their travels. And I hope that it continues somewhat in that vein. But um, I'm going to be letting it go. So with that in mind, I'm going to say that this is the last of season one episode episode 16 just as it seems like it's the end of one wanderlust era and the beginning of a slightly different one so it's changing hands with a slightly new editorial focus on the website and this podcast i'm going to keep to myself to my name i'm going to change it just slightly to wanderlust um stories from the road and we'll be mixing excerpts from travelers like you the travel stories uh, books blogs uh, talking about gear that i really like events that i'm going to or that i recommend as well as some of, some of my own travel notes and so going forward i'd have to say that it's going to have a lot more personal anecdotes as well as reading from other people's travel blogs and books and also i'll probably each time rather than picking uh excerpts from wanderlustjournal.com the original wanderlust for me anyways um, I will be reading from whatever I happen to be reading at that time or I've discovered for example right now I am in southern Colorado like I mentioned I'm near Pagosa Springs so this summer I'm going to record a few episodes about hiking and biking and kayaking and all the different things the river sports all the different things you can do around Pagosa Springs and in the San Juan Mountains I'll talk about different trails we can go on um, I'll be doing some myself with my dog Billy and also I will be talking giving you a bit of the history of the place because it's pretty fascinating it's one of the deepest sources of hot springs in the country and so i will be going there as soon as this river as soon as the water's melted somewhat and i can get back into the river and not float away there are quite a few hot springs so i'll be talking about those as well Today I'm going to read a little section from a book that I'm reading right now that I think is fascinating and it's called To See Every Bird on Earth, uh, A Father, A Son and a Lifelong Obsession is by Dan Koppel and on the back it says Dan's father has an obsession. He wants to see every species of bird on the earth but his rel relentless pursuit of birds led to a family breakup, a faltering career and an ever-growing gulf between him and his son. Perhaps though the cause of this estrangement could also provide the opportunity for reconciliation. In 2000, Dan accompanied his father on a trip to the Amazon in search of the old man's 7,000th bird. This journey and Dan's attempts to understand his father becomes a life-affirming exploration of the relationship between sons and fathers. 
And for me, there's absolutely there's that, but there's also the level of description and the wonderful sense of um, scenes and taking us into these different moments of his memories, his father's memories, as well as he's also, which I also like in memoirs especially, is um, there's always a question. And he's asking, his question is, who is the, my father? Who is my father? Who, what? What's driving my father? And this is a great, it's a beautiful portrait, a very touching portrait of his father um, and his obsession, basically. So I'm just going to read a little section from the chapter called A New Continent. My brother and I are curled into our sleeping bags, suspended above the front seats of the VW van. The rough canvas hammock that holds us is moist, made wet by condensation dripping off the vehicle's sheet metal roof above us. The day before, we'd driven south from Heidelberg, moving along France's Mediterranean coastline, until we reached the swampy Camagou region along the delta of the Rhone River, where the sea is kept in check by sandy embankments. We set up camp on the sand. The brackish lagoons and marshes of Camagou fascinated me. What we experienced there was the beginning of my own love of the outdoors. I wrote a report on the area when I was a little older, noting the place's des desolate beauty that is famous for its for the resident guardians, a sort of provincial cowboy, and that is his home to some of the world's most aggressive mosquitoes. The Rhone Delta is France's most bird-rich spot. Over 400 species are found here, with another 150 possible estrays and accidentals. When we visited, the area was still unpreserved, with parts as wild and open as in medieval times. My parents had been to the Carmagu once earlier, during Dad's first European spring migration with new birds in prolific quantities, as they travelled along the French, Catalan and Spanish coastline. Dad's life tally had increased by 69 species that trip. But this trip, like everyone, everything my parents did together in Europe, for better or worse, was more than birds. My father gets excited when he talks about seeing Neanderthal cave paintings in Basque Country and watching Spain's top matador, the legendary El Cordobes, fight a bull in Seville. For once, the mix of birds and everything else just seemed about right. The couple continued to Gibraltar, where Dad stopped for a try, try to a few new species in Cadiz near the mouth of the river. This is another legendary European birding spot, a place where serious listers pick up vagrant African species, easy to spot amongst the area's most common birds, the thousands of flamingos that feed on the brine shrimp that live in the delta, the pinkish crustaceans that are what give the birds their traditional coloration. Dad quickly added the Egyptian vulture, a bird frequently seen as a carving on sarcophagi, <laughs> I can never really say that. An endangered species is less ennobled by its habitat of eating dung rather than carrion. The culinary behavior turned out to be a way for the bird to consume essential carotenoids, which give the species its orange color. And the madly colored or purple Galunil, paint splattered blue, purple and green with a red and yellow bill. Combined with its Chaplin-esque waddle, you've got a highly memorable species. Even mum recalls it, although she remembers it wishing they'd stayed a little long to actually observe it. Mum's memories of that first trip to South Europe are pleasant, and she was able to see the true advantage of travelling with a birder. We don't stick to the traditional routes, she recalls. By definition, we had to go off the beaten track. 
They spent days wandering through gypsy towns where old women worshipped black madonnas and camping on windswept beaches where wild horses ran. He'd be out watching, Mum says, and I'd be out wandering. The arrangement was acceptable, but I had to ask, didn't either of them ever think they could bird together? Birding couples are famous. Sandra Fisher and Michael Lambert were a British pair who saw over 7,000 birds together. Several others have recently joined the 6,000 club. Dad says Mum wasn't interested. Mum's view is a little more introspective. I didn't have my own binoculars, she says, but I don't fault him for not asking me if I wanted to watch. I just didn't know how to relate to birds, and he didn't know how to relate them to me. Even so, the trip was successful enough that a few months later, my parents repeated the journey with Jim and me. By then, both seemed preoccupied by the uncertainty of their future. I'm not sure what role that discretion played in our poor choice of a camping spot, but I remember being awakened, terrified, by pounding on the camper's windshield before dawn. Thump! Thump! I opened my eyes and saw a face pressed against the glass, obscured by the foggy dew that had condensed inside the van overnight. I wiped the mist away from the big curving windshield and saw that, that some of the haze was outside, as if it, we were in a cloud bank. Then suddenly the face became clear. An old woman, panicked. Thump! La mer! La mer! I didn't understand what she was talking about, even if I'd known the translation of the word she was saying. I was half asleep and wouldn't have comprehended. But as I slid down and opened the passenger side door, she said it again. And that's when I noticed that the car was half a foot of water. The ocean was rising. By the time this, by this time, Mum was awake and she was shouting at Dad. He rose too, and the old woman repeated her warning. All of a sudden, there was a frenzy of activity. It was high tide, and one of the level, level, levees had overflowed. Dad quickly tossed the nearly soaking camping gear into the back. By this time, Jim and I were terrified, and we huddled with Mum as Dad started the engine and turned the van around, and we skidded away. So there you go. That's a little excerpt from To See Every Bird on Earth by Dan Cubble, a father, a son, and a lifelong obsession. And I thought it was appropriate for here, for southern Colorado, for the San Juan Mountains, because when I was here last summer, probably around this time, a bit later, maybe June, this is now May when I'm recording this, um, I met a couple and their thing for traveling was, they always had a focus, and their focus was that every county they went to in the States, they would look for uh, a different number of birds. So say in Hillsdale County, they looked for and found 11 birds. The next county they would go to, um, Archuleta, for example, they would look for 13 birds and so on. And so they, it, once they satisfied their, their number, their numeric goal, they would then move on to another county. And they've, I guess they were retired um, because they just kept doing that. And that was their thing. And that gave them a focus every day. And it gave them a reason to get out and walk. And as it said in this book, um, to get off the beaten track and to take a different way of relating to nature. So I just love that as a... One way that some people explore the world around them. And so there you go. That was Dan Couples. And lastly for today, I am going to give you a little piece it's from 1989. It's called The States, 1989, in my early 20s. How far can I go? The diesel engine rumbles behind me as I adjust the red and grey rucksack on sweaty shoulders. Unused to such July humidity. New York City, day number one. It's too bright for my blue eyes and I squint. 
An empty sidewalk leads to a park, if I can call this patch of littered concrete a destination. There are three wooden benches with a single busker playing a shining bass ho- brass horn, surrounded by bags of clothes, newspapers, bedding. He nods. A moment of relative quiet brings me closer, and I sit with a grunt, bone weary after the two flights, two trains, and one bus from my hometown. I made it. I'm here. I collapse onto that bench and gulp in the fumes and soak up the heat under my feet, happy beyond words. So that's all I'm going to give you for today. But that is from a book called Stay by Me, by Sarah Leamy. And it comes out May 21st, 2023. So by the time you listen to this, it will have just come out. And it's basically about me... um, how and why I left England. Uh, I left my small town to study languages and migration patterns in London before I set out with a rucksack, teddy bear, whose name is John, and I still have him in the van, and juggling toys to hitch across Europe and the States. And I find in retrospect that I was always looking for my people, my place, my purpose. Um, well, and where will I feel safe? Where do I feel at home? And so this was written... I wrote it in in 2019, the end of 2019, and started working on it with Lydia Yaknovich and some other folks from the Corporeal Writing Center in Portland in 2020 during COVID. And yeah, I am incredibly proud of this book. It's one of my favorites, I have to say, out of all the things I've written. It's a memoir. And each page, or pretty much each page, is a different story or a different moment. Um, calling from Tennessee, Chicago, Venice Beach, England, uh, London, the States, Vermont, Germany, uh, New Mexico. There's lots of Spain. There's lots of in and out of all of these different places and different experiences I had. And it's like a puzzle. It is If you're used to reading linear chronological books, you might have a hard time with this because you're going to have to pay attention. It's a puzzle and all the pieces come together. They build up resonance and they build up relevance. And there are photos, cartoons, links to articles, links to music even. And yeah, so that is Stay. Seems appropriate for this podcast. Stay by Sarah Leamy and it is put out by Madville Publishing, and I would like to give a big thanks to Monica Prince, Nance Van Winkle, David Deutsch, and Lydia Yaknovich, and all the people that have helped me with my writing over the years. And also the Red Hen, they gave us uh, stay, received an honorable mention from Red Hen Press for their 2020 Quill Prose Award. So I think this is a, a good book. I'm really proud of it. It's unusual it's different and yes it's travel related and memoir related and i think you'll enjoy it so that's all we have for today and that's all we have for this season next season we'll have a slightly different focus it will be a little more personal anecdotes from my own trips as well as reading from other people's blogs uh, recommending books uh, reading from whatever travel book i'm into at that moment letting you know about books gear event and if you have any suggestions let me know thanks for listening take care bye 
If you'd like to find out more about either Wanderlust Journal or myself and my books, you'll find the links in the episode notes below. That's saralimi.com and wanderlust-journal.com. It's all completely free. If you're interested in supporting the Wanderlust Journal and keeping it free for everyone who wants to publish, read or hear these travel stories, there is also a link to the Buy Me A Coffee page below. 